Hello, world. Welcome back to another episode of the show, Hello, World, on Learn TV. My name is Jason Hand, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Anthony Bartolo. Hi, Anthony. Hey, Jason. How's it going? It's going great. I had a beautiful weekend. The weather was amazing here in the Rocky Mountains. I, I got outside. I played a little bit of golf. How about you? How was your weekend? It was great. I saw on social media, you got a great backswing uh, in Toronto. It got warm enough to go outside, go for a good bike ride. Mountain, mountain bike trails are open. Did a quick oil change on the truck. So it was an all in all, it was a good weekend. Awesome. Yeah, it was so good. You know, of course, it's Easter weekend as well. So just sitting out on my front porch, seeing all kinds of people uh, out and about, families getting together. It really feels like, uh, you know, spring has come and, and seasons are changing. And I don't know what you never know here in, in Colorado that weather changes really quickly. But it feels like we've, we're starting to transition into the into the warmer parts of the year. So anyway, speaking of transitions, uh, you know, I, I'm really excited about today's show. We've got all kinds of stuff, but um, there's some really exciting news that I know you wanted to share with everybody. So the biggest thing you know I wanted to share is the whole aspect of transparency. And I think that's going to be the theme of the show today in terms of keeping everybody informed in terms of what's going on. And this specifically pertains to Azure cost management. Jason, how familiar are you with cost management right now in Azure? Actually, now that you mentioned it, I've gotten myself very familiar with it just over the course of probably the last six months or so, building a lot more um, kind of behind the scenes stuff that's going on with with Learn TV and, and keeping tabs on what those cost, uh, costs look like is very important. So I've started to dig in and there's quite a few you know cool features, uh, but I'm really excited about some of the new stuff that's coming out. Why don't you tell us about that? So the biggest thing is, you know, what I call sticker shock. At the end of the month, you get this bill, you know, coming from Microsoft in terms of your use of Azure. And, you know, a lot of organizations look at it and see this big lump sum and go, well, how did we spend this? What's going on? The whole aspect of Azure cost management is the tools that are made available to allow for that understanding of how the spend actually went, went forth and the ability to assign, uh, you know, costs in terms of who's using what compute cycle or who's using what resources specifically to a, a department within your organization, accounting, sales, engineering, you name it. The benefit now, what was announced, what was announced recently in March is the ability now to forecast what do you think your spend is actually going to be uh, based on, you know, your current history, what you've done previously. So this way it provides, you know, the, the business decision makers an understanding in terms of the investment that's being put forth in terms of cloud computing and what departments are consuming what implementations of cloud and forecasting that out. So it becomes a lot more transparent at the end of the day in terms of cost. Yeah. Yeah. I think forecasting is super important. It helps, you know, us stay on top of things. We can be proactive in managing some of those costs. Sometimes I, I, I forget that I've got some resources out there running some automation that doesn't even need to be there anymore. And so uh, being able to, to isolate those things, you know, proactively from, from the sort of the system side has been super helpful. Uh, there's all kinds of cool stuff. It's not just the new features that we wanted to share with you. They've got some great documentation they've added. They've put in some new videos and learning opportunities and all that stuff you can find in our show notes. If you go follow aka.ms slash hello world, everything about this and all of today's segments can be found in our show notes there. So make sure you go check that out after the show. And with that, Anthony, I think we should probably get moving forward here and talk about what do we have coming up today. We've got a lot of new faces and a lot of, you know, just interesting topics. So what are you most excited about? As always, you know, Microsoft Green for me is a great passion of mine because I love to see the new perspective of the adoption of technology 
thinking about green first. Uh, I know Aston is away on hol holiday, so we actually have a special guest, guest joining us today. How about you, Jason? What, what segment are you most interested for? Well, as always, I'm always you know chatting with, with Ning and Kayla. Ning's with us today to talk more about Microsoft Teams and setting up live events, which have become very important in today's world. We're doing all kinds of digital events now. So she's going to walk us through how to set those up, how to manage some of the back-end stuff. Uh, I think there's going to be some really useful information in there. We also have our Microsoft Learn segment, as always, uh, very interested to learn, you know, who is Microsoft Learn for? And what I'm really excited for, I know, Jason, you're just as excited. Juliet is joining us on the show today as a host. She's usually backstage. Uh, so awesome to have her, uh, you know, on stage today talking uh, with Stephen Morosky about the all-around Azure initiative. I'm very excited for this segment, not because it's Juliet's first time, but she's passionate about the aspect of Azure and implementation. And to have that opportunity to talk that, to Stephen with that, that's a great opportunity. So Jason, are you ready? Yeah, I am. Uh, I think, you know, and and just to kind of wrap up that all around Azure event, I'm personally really excited. I've been involved with all of the all around Azure uh, global events that we've done. There used to be a show on Learn TV that we started called All Around Azure to have our good friend Stephen Morawski uh, be part of today's show and share what's what's coming at the end of April. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, with that, you know, let's visit now with one of our favorite people from Microsoft Teams. Ning Wan's gonna be sharing with us some information, some suge some suggestions about how to create a Microsoft Live Team events. Hi, Ning, how are you? Hi, Jason, I'm good, glad to be here. Good to have you back as well. So so fun, uh, you know, talking about all the different things that Microsoft Teams putting out. There's, it seems like there's new things every week, of course, that we talk about, but it seems like there's new things uh, every week that they're releasing. So what are you gonna share with us today? Yeah, so today we're gonna talk about live events and Teams. Um, I'm sure by now you've attended countless virtual live events, um, but you might not know how to set one up for yourself. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, yeah. So first, I'm going to go over how to set it up. So you can see here that I've got my calendar tab of Teams open. I've got my uh, plus new meeting button in the upper right hand corner of my screen. Um, and from there, I can schedule a meeting. But if I actually clip the click on the drop down next to new meeting, I have the option to schedule a live event instead. And if I choose to hit on that, um, I will get this pop out window and I can go in and add details for the event as I would with any regular meeting. Um, but you'll notice on the right, I'm also gonna have the option to add the presenters. And these are gonna be like the speakers for my event. Um, I'm gonna give you just a quick tip here. Um, if you are a producer of a live event, you probably don't want to also sign yourself up as a presenter. Even though producers and presenters have similar roles and similar permissions within a live event, um, it can be a lot to manage at once. So I wouldn't recommend combining them. It's just easier to keep them separate, less stress during a, you know, already all of the energy and excitement of a live event. Um, so if you go to next, you will see your live event permissions, so you can choose who can attend your event. Um, you will also see under how will you produce your live event, different um, production preferences. So for example, on this next screen at the bottom, you'll see that you can choose to have something like a Q&A feed. So if you've been to a live event where there's moderated Q&A, that's where something like that comes in. So you can go in, set all your preferences, get your live event set up, and then you'll hit schedule and you're ready to go. And so now any producer or presenter who's assigned to this event can join through that join button. Um, if you want people to come to your event, you're gonna wanna give them the attendee link, which is at the top. 
um, don't give them the same link that you're using because then everybody will be backstage together and that's not how that works. <laughs> um, but yeah, then you're ready to go. Awesome. Um, well, so speaking of backstage, as you know, those are two different worlds. We've got things that are happening in front of the house, all the content, all the speakers, but then there's the backstage where we've got our producers and also the speakers and, and a lot of back channel conversations and just being organized, you know, things that the audience doesn't need to see. What can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, definitely. So backstage definitely looks like its own world. I mean, look at this. There's so much going on. It doesn't look anything like a regular team's meeting. So let's break this down. On the right-hand side, in that large box under live event, that's like your staging area, and that's going to be the content that your audience sees. On the left-hand side, you've got like your queue area, and that's going to be where you are putting content that is in line to be on stage next. At the bottom section, you've got the presenter video feed, your video feed, and all of the shared screens from your presenters and you. And that's going to be all of the available content that you can send to the queue and bring live. So from here, oh, another thing I want to call out really quick at the top is that you've got pre-live in yellow in all caps. And that's telling you that you haven't started your live event yet. So now is a good time to stop, take a moment to orient yourself, talk to all of your presenters, and make sure that everybody feels ready before you start the live event together. Um, every presenter is different. Some people like to advance their own slides. Some people might want to share their screen for a demo. So you should make sure to check in with each of your presenters so that you are aware of what kind of content you need to be switching in and out of the queue throughout the live event. Um, so with that in mind, um, let's talk about how you actually bring things into the queue and send it live. Okay. So yeah, so for example, we've got our friend Irvin who's in the queue here and we've put him there because we want to send him live first. Um, so we're gonna select him, put him in the queue. He's gonna go live when we click send live. Likewise, Megan's gonna go next. We're gonna put her in the queue. She's gonna come after Irvin. Um, when we want to start the live event, we hit start under Irvin there and now, our event is live, we've got that red box, we've got live at the top. Um, the audience can now hear what's going on backstage, so just make sure you're on mute. Um, and with that, you should be pretty much good to go, and I hope that helps you feel a little more confident and comfortable about producing a live event. Yeah, this has been great, Ning. Thank you so much for sharing all this. Teams live events have been uh, key and critical for so much of what we do these days. So thank you for all that you do. We've got show uh, notes available that'll have links to all this type of information too. So please follow up with that. And thank you, Ning, uh, for all of that. Anthony, what do you think? All excited. You know, like I said, the whole aspect of communication and transparency in your communication is key, you know, and I love that it's being incorporated in the teams. And the same can be said in terms of incorporating that in green uh, perspectives inside of an organization and green tactics inside an organization. As mentioned before, SM is away on holiday. So we're lucky to have Bill Johnson filling in for SM while he's on holiday to talk about the, the site uh, reliability engineer's role inside of green software. That was a mouthful. Bill, <laughs> your thoughts. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so first I want to say that, you know, everyone plays a part in green software, not it doesn't matter what your title or your role or anything is, but for me specifically in insight reliability, engineering, you know, it's all about risk and risk management, really. And so what is the appropriate amount of risk that your system is willing to take on? Uh, things that can contribute to risk include, you know, the complexity of your system overall, how you scale, maybe how you deploy code, um, but even things like the processes that your teams follow or how you share information also contributes to it. 
uh, more and more these days, the planet is becoming a bigger and bigger risk as there's, uh, you know, natural disasters that take out hardware or data centers, as there's pandemics that affect the way that we communicate or when and how and, and where we can communicate with our teams. Um, so, so it's becoming more and more of a, a factor in this field. Uh, overall, systems that are green or green software is, is generally faster because it's, you know, optimizing for efficiency in the code. It's generally cheaper because it's less complex. You don't need as much hardware there. And then because of that complexity that's lower, it's actually more reliable at the end of the day. So it's really all, all kind of connected. So last week, what I said, we talked about embodied carbon. This week, you're bringing a new term to us, uh, carbon intensity. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so carbon intensity is, uh, definition is uh, the amount of carbon that's emitted to create a unit of energy. So if you think of something like solar power, uh, once the panel's in place, you don't really need a lot of carbon to generate that because it's just coming from the sun. Whereas something like coal, you're going to have to burn that coal. It's going to emit a lot of carbon just to get that same you know, kilowatt hour uh, of energy. Uh, energy grids across the country are a mixture of all of them. They can't all be solar. They can't all be coal. And so they'll offset these things when it's when it's not sunny out or when the wind isn't blowing, you'll have to offset that with other with other types of power. And that's where the carbon intensity value becomes that all up understanding of your energy grid to create that unit of energy for what you need. Um, green software overall wants to take advantage of these things and use the least amount of carbon for the, for the electricity that you need to consume. I love the fact that, you know, and, it's, and that's that thinking of, of incorporating the technology in a responsible way to adhere to not just, you know, the efficiencies of the organization, but helping out the world to, to ensure to stay green, right? And, and to help yeah. out the environment, especially in this day and age. How can organizations take advantage of this information to incorporate that into the systems that they run today? Yeah, great, great question. So uh, carbon intensity, there's a, there's a lot of cool APIs out there, like, like Watt Time and Electricity Map that will give you this information. Um, not only the, the actual value of the carbon intensity for your grid, but also that visualization over time of how that's changed. Um, as, you know, as the weather changes, these values will fluctuate up and down. And so um, if you think about like a batch job or anything that's asynchronous or can be scheduled, um, those things can be run at any time during the day. And so you could run it you know, an hour later and save you know, half of as much of carbon as what you normally would have if you ran it you know, an hour earlier. Um, so if you think of that as kind of shifting things in time a little bit, the other concept behind that is what if we were able to shift that in space? And so, you know, if there's regions of the world that, that run electricity grids that are, that are much cleaner and use a lot more renewable energy, think of, you know, France and like Scandinavia regions, but even, you know, the Pacific Northwest and the West Coast tend to use more solar and hydro than the East Coast of the United States. Um, so, so shifting these things around in, in space can actually save you a lot of, a lot of carbon as well in your emissions and, and not really have any effect on the end result. Um, Kubernetes actually does this in an automated way where you, they have a scheduler that will determine where your pods or your nodes will go uh, when, you, when you go to deploy your VMs. And you can actually leverage your Kubernetes and modify the scheduler itself to, to bring in some of these APIs I talked about, like Watt Time and Electricity Map, to start to place your pods in regions that have lower carbon intensity. And then if you kind of continue on that, you can imagine a world where you can do this completely automatically and VMs are coming up and down as it shifts around and as electricity grids and weather patterns change to kind of take advantage of these things automatically. It's, it's all pretty exciting, actually. Thank you, Bill, for sharing on the show today. All your links that you provided are available on AKMS, sorry, aka.ms forward slash hello world. We're going to bring Jason back. Thank you again, Bill. Yeah. Jason, 
thoughts? That was pretty cool, eh? This is great. I mean, I, I come from a background of site reliability engineering and incident management. So to see this type, this type of focus uh, within the green space is is very, you know, very just warms me a little bit. You know, I, I love that this 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 type of stuff is being talked about and discussed. So um, very exciting things. And you know, um, I think we we should probably move on to our next guest here. My cat's going to give us a little bit of a, a join us on the show here, but. Um, we're going to be uh, switching gears. Michael's out this week, so we've got a guest, Jason DeBoover, who's going to be joining us today, filling in for Michael, and he's going to be here talking about Microsoft Learn and who it's for. Micro uh, <laughs> Jason, how are you? Hey, hey, other Jason. I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, really glad to be filling in for Michael. Um, what I was hoping to do today is uh, give everyone, zoom out a little bit and give you all a, a 100,000 foot level. Uh, view of what Microsoft Learn is and um, who should use it and what they should use it for. So let, let me start by defining what I mean by Microsoft Learn, because at this point, the brand has become fairly large, including things, of course, like Learn TV. But what I'm referring to is what you get when you go to docs.microsoft.com slash learn and you see learning modules, 30 to 60 minute guided hands-on modules for learning to do mostly technical things. That's what I'm here to talk about today. Now, if you are a bit familiar with Microsoft Learn and with those modules, then the first thing that comes to mind may be modules focused on a single product. After all, I was on a couple of weeks ago and that's exactly what I showed, was a module focused on Forms Recognizer, a single product. Mm -hmm. And of course, those are absolutely fantastic when it comes to getting you up to speed on a product and giving you that, that guided or handheld bootstrap to start to understand the rest of the reference material, the rest of the documentation we have. So that is definitely a great start, but we can actually get a lot more from Microsoft Learn. Um, if you think about Microsoft, not just Learn, but Microsoft's mission statement, it's to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. So we can think about Learn's role in that as being to have a guided experience that will help every person or every organization achieve more or to, to offer the guided learning experiences that will do that, which is, is huge scope. So in other words, we want to teach you to do anything that might help you achieve more. Um, that, that, that scope is maybe a bit too big. And you, of course, will see that where Microsoft operates tends to be areas complementary to where uh, Microsoft already, already operates. So, so Learn will operate in those same areas, of course. Um, but it's not just about products. It can be uh, visions or learning paths of how to stitch products together to do new things. Um, it can be how to learn fundamental skills like programming or how to learn things that everyone should know about when building technology solutions like security or responsible AI. So Jason, is that making sense so far? Yeah, it makes to total sense. And I, and I love this. I was just talking to somebody earlier who's asking me about Microsoft Learn. And my favorite part is that just as you mentioned, it's not just going and showing you how to do specific things on specific Microsoft products. I mean, there is that, but it's really intended to, to help you understand solutions to problems. And, you know, and that might mean using several different products, stitching them together. Uh, and that's kind of to, to be one of the, the big selling points of, of using Microsoft Learn is that you know, it's really teaching it how to solve problems and it focuses on those solutions. 
Absolutely. So, so very quickly, let me just hit on a few things that 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 are those kind of uh, integrated solutions, right? So, so things like cloud adoption framework that teaches us how to move our organizations onto the cloud. We have long, comprehensive learning paths on that. Cloud native apps is is developer focused content, but teaches things that aren't usually the purview of the developer. Kubernetes, identity, um, DevOps topics, and scaling your data sources and your Kubernetes things like that. Um, and of course, we have things like like more content on security, uh, more content, as we mentioned, on things like responsible AI. So I've got you a link right here. So uh, aka.ms, Hello Learn April 5 is going to get you a, a lot of the material that I referenced here today. So please go there, check out the existing learning paths, and we've got more coming like this all the time, both product-focused and otherwise. Excellent. Well, Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. This stuff has been super helpful for us. You know, as we build out our our better knowledge and and you know skills on just learning how to do all kinds of things in the cloud within Microsoft products, all kinds of stuff. So thank you for everything that you do. And let's bring Anthony back on here. Anthony, how, how much time have you been spending on Microsoft Learn lately? A lot. I've learned a lot. I'm a hands-on person, so you know, a, a lot's to be learned. But you can also learn a lot in our next segment with regards to all around Azure. And I'm very excited for Stephen and Juliet to talk about the next reiteration of this offering. We've done AI and we've done IoT, and now we'll be talking. Hey, Stephen, how are you? <laughs> Doing well. How about yourself, Juliet? I'm great. It's so fun to be here on the front of the camera. Um, normally, I'm behind the scenes here on Hello World. Um, anyway, we are here today to talk about all around Azure DevOps with GitHub. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so uh, as Anthony said when he was introducing us, right, we've done two previous iterations of, of this all around Azure event, and, and it's a two and a half hour event where we dive deep into a topic and um, actually have some great callbacks into Microsoft Learn, like Jason was just talking about before. And so before we've covered AI, ML, and, uh, and IoT topics, now I'm really excited to dive into DevOps with this latest all around Azure. So on April 27th, we're gonna be coming together to on Learn TV to share uh, the DevOps journey of Tailwind Traders. And we're gonna talk through how these, how these operations professionals and developers start to work together then how do we start to ship? How do we manage our work? How do we ship software? All sorts of great topics, you know, whether it's building in quality and security or getting our software to run in the cloud or running our software in the cloud. We've, we've kind of dive into these topics and then we're gonna be there live. We're gonna be live in three time zones. We're going to be in uh, the Americas. We're gonna be live in the um, Europe, Middle East, uh, Africa time zones, and we're going to be live in Asia Pacific with subject matter experts there to answer questions as the sessions go. So we want people to, we want people to be there to be engaged, and then if these things sound wonderful to you, we've got a bunch of content on Microsoft Learn that can help you build the skill sets and capabilities with Azure and with GitHub to deliver these type of uh, the type of thing we're going to show in your own environments. Yeah. That sounds great. I'm really excited for this iteration of our all around Azure event series. I know that um, 
It's going to be wonderful. As Stephen said, we um, I'm going to just show the slide right here. Um, we have this happening in three different time zones, all on April 27th. So you can um, view the times here or go to our website um, and register. If you register, you will get um, reminders and calendar holds and all the great things you need to remember um, to show up that day. It will also, um, as Stephen also mentioned, all of our um, speakers will be there live to answer your questions in all three of these time zones. So we're really excited to have you all there. Um, it's a great way to um, get started with DevOps on GitHub. So, so, so Juliet, and how much is this going to cost them? It is totally free. So that is also the best part about it. So this is free learning. We just want everyone to come, enjoy themselves, take learnings away, um, and go on your learning journey on Microsoft Learn. Yeah. And, and, you know, something that we really haven't talked about in, as part of this is also this, you're going to see some people in your local time zone who have the background and skills and expertise that, you know, and, and find ways to reach out and connect with them as well as others in your community. So, yeah, I, I think this will be a lot of fun and I'm really looking forward to it on April 27th. Yep. So yeah, register. You can find all the links that we shared for the website at ak.ms slash hello world in the show notes. Um, so you don't have to remember everything since we know you're watching TV. Back to you, Jason and Anthony. Thank you so much. And, and, and thank you, Juliet, for joining us today, as well as you, Stephen. It's been exciting to have some new faces on here. And honestly, just being able to talk about the all around Azure global event um, has been, you know, I don't know, it makes me feel good. I feel like I'm saying that so many times today because there's so many subjects in here. We're talking about DevOps, we're talking about site reliability engineering. Now we're talking about DevOps um, and GitHub. Like these are all the things that I like spend a lot of time thinking about and, and hands-on working with. So thank you for putting all this together. I think that the all around Azure being a global event and making it more inclusive, different time zones, different languages, uh, with different speakers, that's the type of stuff that we really try to put a lot of energy into and, and uh, being able to have all of you on here helping us make that happen has been so fun. Thank you. Oh, our pleasure. <laughs> um, one thing I didn't actually mention, uh, which is pretty exciting, is we're also working with a lot of local user groups to get local deliveries of the same content in communities that we might not be able to reach as easily. So uh, we've, we've had a number of folks out reach out to us, so watch, uh, kind of watch that space as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again for being on here. Let's go ahead and invite some of our other guests uh, back onto the show here, Anthony. Uh, well, maybe before that, Anthony, what are your overall thoughts of the, today? I feel like I'm just like tripping over my words because there's so much, <laughs> there's so much going on. Or maybe because I took the week off last week, uh, I've forgotten how to do this hosting thing. But um, no, anyway, today's just, been really fun. It's been fun. It's been fast. It's been, you know, it's all about communication and transparency and, you know, sharing with everybody. You know, I love around the all around in Azure events. Uh, you know, the IoT one and AI one are fantastic. And they're based on people's feedback. They're based on, you know, what people want to see, what people want to learn. I love the inclusion of community. That's huge, too, uh, in regards to, you know, making sure that, you know, it's localized in terms of the content that's being shared. 
feedback is important and just as important for this show, you know, in terms of everything that we cover here on the show, we want to make sure that we're capturing your feedback. And there's been a great deal of uh, people actually chatting in the uh, chat room right now, uh, aka.ms forward slash learn TV to get your voice heard. Uh, hi, Frank Bouchard. He was uh, ch chirping away on, uh, on the stream today. Uh, it's important, right? We need your feedback. Uh, so if you want to give us the feedback directly, and if you don't want to do it in the chat window, you can actually go to aka.ms forward slash hello world feedback and share with us what you'd like to see more on the show. Jason, shall we bring everybody back? Yes, let's do it. I think that's that's the right time or we're at the right time to do that. So <laughs> let's bring back uh, Ning. Ning, are you there? Hi, Ning. Hi. It was great. Another great episode today. Teams live events. Is there anything you want to share with the audience before we say goodbye? I just want to say that, um, you know, if you want more tips on how to produce a live event, make sure you check out aka.hemp ms slash hello world also tripping over my words <laughs> <laughs> excellent and then we're also going to bring back bill bill hey again, thank you very much for the for the segment today any last words for site reliability engineers in green yeah absolutely so i'll, I'll do a quick shout out for earth day which is coming up on april 22nd i know there's a, a special hello world episode that's dedicated to it that day but it's also a really great time to you know if you've ever been thinking about getting into this it's a nice it's a nice initiative and in, in, in space to to really push for it or, or take that extra step to start to make your systems carbon aware um and and take advantage of, of some of these things that we talked about great and thank you for being here and let's also bring back jason jason are you still there i am jason hello <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for, for filling in for Michael. This has been a fun segment talking about Microsoft Learn and all the different things that you're doing over there. Any other uh, last words of wisdom for our audience? Uh, just that we have a lot more content that I didn't have a chance to say anything about today. So please go visit Microsoft Learn, check it out, explore it. And of course, at the uh, at the link right there on the screen, that'll link to the, uh, to the collection I created too. So uh, yeah, check it out. Excellent. Thanks and last so but much. not least, we're going to bring back Juliet and Steven all around Azure. We're excited for the event. 20 seconds. Yeah, join us. <laughs> go, <laughs> go to, yeah, go to, the, go to the link, find our registration, and we'll see you there. And that's it. And that's the end of the show. Stick around for Career Switchers. Thank you all for joining us today, and we'll see you tomorrow on Hello World. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.